Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast with me, Alexander Moneypenny, and me, Bradley Adams. Me, Bradley Adams. Uh, how's it going, everyone? <laughs> I'm on Broadway. Broadway. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, thanks so much for all the support on the last <laughs> podcast, by the way. We had, we've had, we had, I think, something like 400 unique streams, Yeah, which is pretty cool. Legendary stuff. Thanks very much, guys. We have, we, we've had people in, like, Japan... Had someone in Guatemala, I think, which is pretty cool. I don't know where that is. The real question is, Alex, has your mum listened to the podcast yet? The real answer to that, Bradley, is unconfirmed reports that she hasn't. Oh. Uh, on that, we have had some, uh, we've had some feedback. We have. From Salt and Pepe. And uh, Salt and Pepe, he's got in touch to tell us he likes the pod, which is good. Good stuff. And then he said, uh, just make sure you guys strive to, to finish your sentences and thoughts. There's a couple times within the podcast where you start a sort of... Oh, fucking hell. There's a couple times within the... Fuck me, I'm so hungover. I can't do this. There's a couple times... <laughs> I'm so hungover. Oh, my God. Right, we literally we literally planned a joke. Fuck, fuck this, I'm not even pretending anymore. Yeah. We literally planned a joke where this guy got in contact and said, we change, and, we change our sentences and, and get lost mid-thought, and then I was going to move on to a new thought. But I'm so hungover that I can't... I can't deliver the gag. This is the, th- the third time. <laughs> this is the third time we've tried it. Oh, do you know? So what? I got hung. I'm hungover. I tell you why I'm hungover because it was the Champions League last night. It was. It was Champions League final. It was one nil to Bayern. Not a classic, but yeah, it it wasn't. It wasn't the best. Let's be honest. Um, I thought both teams nullified each other really well. Uh, I think probably overall it was a decent result. Any thoughts, Brad? Uh, I personally think it was a fair result. I was, uh, do you know what? I think it might be irrational, but I'm just really, really glad that Neymar didn't win it. Yeah, so what? you text me last night this. Why, why do you hate him so much? He just throws himself on the floor all the fucking time. And honestly, if he spent half the amount of time using the actual football skill that he had, in, in instead of jumping on the floor when he gets a tap on the heel from people, like, he'd be unstoppable. Because he is a brilliant footballer. But this is the thing, isn't it? It's it's like, it's part of the game now. It's a competitive advantage if you can draw a foul, so... But it wasn't. At what point did it give PSG the advantage? You know, because they had, uh, I can't I can't say his name, but Paradez in the midfield, absolutely slaughtering the free kicks that they were getting. It wasn't going anywhere. I'd understand that, that point of view if it was working and it was getting them opportunities. But half the time, it was winning them free kicks that nothing came from. So what was the point? I understand if you could, if you get contact in the box, go down because you, you could win yourself a penalty. And that is absolutely part of the game. But if you're throwing yourself six feet in the air at the halfway line, realistically, what the fuck are you doing it for? Brad, you're absolutely fuming, mate. I ju- it just, it, honestly, I just, because it just breaks down the game and it just means that I'm having to watch fucking people get ready for for free kicks again and again and again because he just can't stay on his feet. Brad, you should start a little Twitter account and start a campaign. I should, I should. But I do think it's time that we stop ever comparing him to the level that Messi and Ronaldo have reached because he's never going to get there. If Ronaldo or if Messi have been in that game like they have in the past, they take that game and they take those chances and they win their teams, the Champions League. And Mbappe is a fantastic footballer, but we can't judge him at that level yet because the boy's 21 and he's nearly completed football already. But Neymar has been in two countries, won La Liga, won the Champions League there with Messi and has now gone to PSG. And realistically, what's he gone to PSG for? Money. Exactly. He's won a league that they were going to win anyway. They were winning anyway. He's gone there to try and win the Champions League and at every opportunity his team have failed. And I mean, it's not a surprise that the first time he's fit to consistently play in the Champions League, they reach the final because I'm not saying he's not a good player. I'm just saying that you can, he is not in that. And I don't, I don't know if there ever will be another player in that bracket of a Messi or a Ronaldo. They are, they're freaks. They're actual freaks. Two of the best footballers to ever play the game, ever. Also, uh, before we get started on the Arsenal stuff, 
Uh, let's talk about Chelsea for a second because so Fabrizio Romano has spoken this morning that Kai Havertz is a step away uh, from from signing for Chelsea. I think it's 80, 80 million euros plus twenty million in add-ons. Uh, they're looking at Thiago Silva. Supposedly he's close. Ornstein's confirmed that. Um, and then also they're getting uh, Ben Chilwell. Supposedly that is quite scary. Absolutely. They've made some great signings, and I think the signing of Werner is fantastic. I think the signing of Ziyech is a, is a brilliant signing. The one I personally think is a bit here and there is Ben Chilwell. I don't understand why you pay 50, 60 million for Ben Chilwell when you can go get Tagliafico out of Ajax, Sergio Reguilón out of Real Madrid. There's so many other options. I have an answer. He's English. I know, but it's... I mean, they're not lacking in English players. You've got Tammy Abraham, you've got Callum Hudson-Odoi, you've got Ross Barkley, Fieko uh, Tomori, Reese James. Like, they've got... It's not like they're desperate to fill a homegrown quota. They've got shitloads of English players. But there is this kind of English premium that's always been paid, which I find ridiculous. Oh, of course. Ben Chilwell's a £30 million player. Yeah. But because he's English, they're going to pay 50 But this is what I'm saying is, because they're not desperate to fill a homegrown quota, I don't think they could be because they might be letting somebody go. Why are they pushing to pay 50 million for a man that isn't better than some of the options that are out there for a lot cheaper? That's the one that's the one because I understand Thiago Silva because he does make that back line better. I think he's I mean, he's finished at a truly elite level. The man's 35 and there will be some moments where some pacey wingers or forwards will rinse him. But the other players, it's the, it's kind of, it's a similar David Luiz situation. You're bringing in an elder statesman to help the kids grow yeah. and to be a stopgap until your players can take the mantle almost. Which is why I don't think it's a bad move. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's going to set the world alight as, as a few Chelsea fans on my Twitter feed seem to think. They seem to think, you know. They're signing a Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, and I, I think the comparisons to the David Luiz deal is really, really smart. And also the, the comments from Tierney, uh, I think he was on the Open Goal podcast this week. There were some really interesting comments about uh, Tierney saying that he absolutely loves David Luiz and he's, you know, he's so good with the younger guys. Yeah. Makes everyone feel welcome. He's a real kind of, you know, leader in the dressing room. And, and even though he doesn't wear the armband, he is a leader. And if you can get someone at the end of their career, if you, especially, if you, especially if you're Chelsea and you've got some, you know, some young centre-backs who are probably going to need some, you know, a bit of bit of mentoring and a bit of kind of experience around them, I think it's a really good deal. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Bradley, Gabriel. Gabriel Magalhaes. Fabrizio, has he, has Fabrizio said the here we go. Yeah, he said the here we go. The tap-in merchant has arrived. The tapping merchant Fabrizio has said, here we go. It's happening. And uh, it's happening. Apparently, uh, according to reports as well, he's turned down a bigger offer of wages from United. Which I love. I love that. And Napoli. Uh, I mean, the Napoli move hasn't come off because they haven't sold Koulibaly yet, so they don't have the funds. But yeah, apparently he turned down United. Because we all, um, from Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's own words to Nathan Ake before City signed him, they're looking for a left-footed centre-back. There's 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 a clip, I don't know if you've seen, where he literally... Yeah, he tells him on the pitch. Tells him, keep going, we're looking for a left-footed centre-back. And then Pep's gone and stolen him. And they've gone in for Gabriel Magalhaes, and Magalhaes has rejected them in favour of Arteta. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Magalhaes? Yeah. Lovely. According to uh, a few... YouTubers that I listen to. So I'm just going to subscribe okay. to that mode of saying it until somebody tells me I'm wrong. Lovely. Okay, I can't wait for the can't wait for the comment saying it's Magalias. <laughs> um also, what we should talk about Bradley. Um I'm going to call it stalking of Gabriel. Uh <laughs> So some Arsenal fans, if you haven't seen this, it's unbelievable. Some Arsenal fans have picked up a video, I think it was a video or maybe a picture of Gabriel's on his Instagram story. And they've analysed the bushes and the and the sunlight, and they've worked out that it was at the Arsenal training centre. Oh, they and think, the cloud pattern. And the cloud pattern. Sorry, uh, <laughs> at the Arsenal training centre, and they think they think they found him. I mean, it's just next level. It's unbelievable. Like people go to prison for that kind of shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> like people go to prison for stalking their ex like this. They've, like, they've, who, who do Arsenal fans yeah. think they are? They found his plane this morning, and and Fabrizio, uh, Fabrizio's uh, confirmed that it's definitely his. It's unbelievable. I mean, fair play to them. If they've got nothing better to do, then fair enough. It's it's achieved nothing. If I was a football player and I'm seeing this going on, and I'm seeing fans analyze the bushes and the clouds, like why am I going to want to go there? Because they're probably going to find out where I live. And you're not flattered. I'd be a little bit flattered though. Oh, I don't know. I just find it weird. Why? Like, I do just find it a bit weird. Maybe. Yeah, for me, I think he's. I think he's a fantastic signing. I mean, the most exciting thing about that for me is really that he's chosen our, us and our project over you know, the uh, the PE teachers at Man United. Um, and I think... How is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still in a job? <laughs> it's incredible. But for me, I mean, you know, to be able to, you know, the uh, the pull of Arteta and Edu, firstly, that's, in, you know, obviously a, a real indictment of where Man United are. Yeah. But most importantly for us, that's incredible. And obviously Edu's Brazilian and it will obviously help, you know, speaking to someone in his, in his own native language and stuff. But mm-hmm. the fact that Arteta and Edu have been able to sell him that project sell him the belief that he will be valued and playing well and presumably back in the Champions League. Which, speaking of which, uh-huh. the Arteta comments this week about the Champions League. Now, when I first heard them, I thought they were a joke. But Arteta is aiming to be back in the Champions League and aiming to have won the Champions League within three seasons. Now, that is unbelievable ambition and fair play to come out and say that i think it, it, it came out in a willian interview so it's not necessarily something Arteta said out loud it's obviously something he's saying to the players yeah now that's that's amazing so if he's if he's if he's putting out this ambition to the likes of gabriel 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 magalash magalush if he's putting out that ambition to them no wonder they're joining you know the confidence of that guy and also you look at you know you look at what Arteta's done you look at the way he communicates i believe him and i think that's an amazing quality to have in a manager someone who can sell you that dream so well that you you appear to be signing for a club absolutely and in terms of his his actual defensive qualities you know again youtube scouting but he looks incredible he looks amazing in the air he looks uh, composed he looks um sort of dominating and 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 domineering yeah just just looks exactly what we need and what's so exciting for me is we have a bit of presence in the back line now We've had so many years of sort of six one, six foot centre backs, and now we've got a six three and a six four. Yeah. Not that I think they'll start in a two anytime soon in Saliba and Gabriel, but you know we've got two really tall, strong, young, fast players, and th- and that's and that's a really exciting mm-hmm. thing. Also, I think our whole back line costs less than Harry Maguire, which is just funny. Gabriel, Saliba, Louise, Ainsley, Maitland Niles, Bellerin, Tierney, and Kalazanak. It costs something like seventy mill incredible it's incredible and it, it's 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 such good squad building and, and we have to give credit where credit's due considering you know we've 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 signed some some absolute duffies duffies not a word we've signed some absolute dummies in the last couple of seasons and 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 beyond um and i'm i'm hoping the recruitment is kind of is kind of coming around from what you've seen of gabrielle thoughts uh i think it's going to be a decent signing uh, don't get me wrong, I don't think he's going to come in and be a worldie straight away. I think that we'll probably end up going back to a four at the start of this season with Gabriel at left centre-back and David Luiz at right centre-back with Saliba kind of interchanging between the three because, I mean, we have to remember Saliba's 18, 19 years old. I'd, I wouldn't mind if we just started Saliba and Gabriel. David Luiz is going to make mistakes and I'd rather the two youngsters make mistakes and learn from them than a 33-year-old who's there to be a leader in the dressing room and as a kind of maybe second slash third choice centre-back. I'm very well aware though that, you know, stats can be a bit misleading. You know, Mustafi statistically is a better centre-back than Virgil van Dijk. (laughs) You know, he's got more interceptions or more clearances or more headers or whatever it is, you know but obviously is not a better defender than Virgil van Dijk. So. Uh, controversial opinion. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I, I just, I, I, I'm hoping that we can give, I mean, the lad's like 22, 23 years old. He needs to be given time to adjust to the Premier League and to adjust to a new formation, maybe, and a new style of play, because I just don't, I don't want what happened to Mustafi or to Louise to happen to this kid 
I don't want because Arsenal fans can be really fucking toxic towards their own players. I want he, he needs to be backed as much as a William, as much as anyone. He needs to be given time, and people need to understand that he is going to make mistakes, and accept that. Wenger did a uh, answered a I think it was a press con- conference or, or or like a a speech where he basically said that the tutelage of of youngsters in the team does not cost you any money. What it costs you is points. So a young centre-back might cost me eight points this season, but then next season he might cost me four. Or And he gave this massive speech about it, about kind of teaching these young players and getting them used to playing at a top-flight level is going to cost you at the end of the day, but it's about weighing that cost versus what you're going to gain. And I think that we could gain a, a truly elite centre-back if we give him the time. I agree. I fully agree, and I think it's really exciting. Definitely, uh, frankly, that this 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 is happening. I think, for me personally, I imagine we're going to stick with a three. Actually, I think, I imagine we'll have David Luiz in the middle of a back three. I would like to see Saliba on the right of him and Gabriel to the left. Here he is, stuck in the middle, Luiz. <laughs> um, I just think that might provide us some stability. It might also be the best kind of learning process. I mean, there's better people to learn from than David Luiz, but equally, you know, I think Luiz in a three has proved at times he, he, he can pull out some decent performances. I imagine that's where we might see them at first. Mm. Um, and then potentially, yes, heading into a four later on in the season with maybe maybe Gabrielle and, and Saliba swapping out with, with, uh, with Luiz. But... Listen, either way, it's I think it's a fantastic bit of business. And I think for the money we're spending on him, yes. it looks like a really, really good deal. Also, what's nice is we appear to be building up a bit of a relationship with Lille. They've got some fantastic young players. Uh, they've just signed um, uh, Jonathan David from Genk, who looks pretty good. You know, in a couple of seasons, if we're looking for a striker, you know, it's no, it's no bad thing to have a really good relationship with a club, especially a club that feels, feels like it's constantly producing, you know, young. Was Hazard from Lille? Yes. I believe so. Yeah, just you know, s- some decent, decent young players, and 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 all at that decent age profile of the sort of twenty two, twenty three, mm-hmm. where they've had experience in in, in League One, and they're and they're ready to to make the step up. And I I really think you know those kinds of deals are fantastic for us. You know, Gabriel's perfect. He's twenty two, so you know he's got some. He's not at that kind of elite level yet, and he's not going to be, as you say, he's not going to come in and change the world. Of course, but he has so much room to grow. But he's also not, you know. He's not brand new. He's not 18 years old coming into a, a setup and expected the world of him. He's had some Champions League, Champions League experience. He's played a lot of games in the league. He looks as though he's he's a he's a really, really top-class addition, so I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And I, I mean, this summer looks promising. We've just got to wait and see whether we get the midfield reinforcements that we need. And then if that happens, it'll be a good summer. It does leave us in a strange position with the centre-backs. Yeah, we've got eight, I think. We now have... William Saliba, Socrates, Rob Holding, Shkodran Mustafi, Callum Chambers, Pablo Marie, David Luiz, Mavropanos is out on loan, and uh, that would be uh, nine if Gabriel came in. Jesus. Nine centre-backs. Um, there's been talk of Holding and Chambers off to uh, Leeds and Fulham, respectively. I would like to see that, personally. I think one of them will stay. I think only one of them will leave because, again, it's it's homegrown quotas. And if we're selling two English players, it's not like we've got droves of them. I think one will leave. Who would be your preference? Holding to leave. I think people forget that, you know, at the beginning of last season, Chambers was one of our best and most consistent centre-backs until he got injured. So, And we have to consider squad depth. He's going to be fourth choice. The, the, the centre-backs that I would want to leave are Socrates, Holding, um, Mustafi, and then I'd, I'd keep the rest, I, cause, and then I'd let David Luiz go next summer. Because you look at... Chambers can not only cover right-back, but he can cover DM and can cover centre-back, hmm. and is definitely as good a player as Holding, but can just cover more positions. Yes, I probably agree with you. I think Holding has not quite shown me... I, I felt comfortable with Chambers in the back line. Yeah. And I've never felt with Chambers that he he has got a huge mistake in him. I just don't think he's that talented as a as a centre-back. 
I think Holding has a has a mistake in him. I think he's probably the more talented centre back, but he worries me. He feels like someone who's a bit a bit more. I think he's a bit more lackadaisical. He feels a little bit more unfocused at times on and off the pitch, and. I don't know. I, I just, I think probably on balance. And I also think you probably get a bit more for holding considering. He's also 25. Like the way that I hear people speak about him on Twitter is like, he's some 21, 22 year old just coming up. Like the guy's been here for years. He's 25 years old. He's probably the center back. He's going to be for the rest of his life. He's not going to improve much more than he is already. And that level is not good enough for Arsenal. Chambers is good enough to be a fourth or a fifth choice, but it's more that we we would need to put holding in a in a team for a, a period of time, a long period of time, providing he doesn't didn't get injured, which I don't think is likely. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to stick at him for two years to see 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 what sticks. You know, you look at Van Dyke; he, he has to go Celtic, then Southampton, then Liverpool. It sometimes takes time for these players to kind of unearth themselves or or really kind of grow into their ability. But you know, with holding, we'd have to give him that time, and I don't think I don't think he has. I don't think we have that time to give him, and I think we've. You know he's been unlucky with injuries, but I just think I just think he's 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 not at the level, and I don't think he will be at the level anytime soon that we require, especially with the likes of Saliba coming through, especially with Gabriel joining. Um, yeah, and I'm I, I, I'm optimistic about Pablo Marie. Yeah, he looks like a decent player. I don't know whether Chambers would be my pick for fourth choice for next season. I think I imagine I'd go the five would be yeah. I imagine my five would be. If it happens, Gabriel, uh, Saliba, um, Pablo Marie, Chambers and Louise. And with Louise leaving next summer, um, I think that leaves us with a solid four, two left footers and two right footers. Uh I think on the contract situation as well, we're also entering a bit of a weird one. I've just got transfer marked up here. Socrates' deal ends next year. David Louise is gone next year. Mustafi is gone next year. Um, And then Callum Chambers expires in 2022. Mm-hmm. So we should be looking at giving Chambers a new deal if 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 that would you know basically obviously Arteta's listening and he's and he's basing his squad uh, management off us but I imagine there will be if that's if he's in their plans they must be looking at a new deal deal for them and Mustafi and Socrates surely have got to go this summer if we're going to get any money from, from them because I doubt they'll sign a new deal. Well, sounds are that Socrates is off to maybe Napoli. Do you know what? I, I do think he gets a bit too much stick for like he was never a world beater, but we never brought him in, him in like expecting him to be a world beater. And he's like for the first season and a half that he was here, he did a decent job. Like He wasn't horrible. He was a sh- it was a sh- it was always a short term choice. He was always a short term choice. Yeah, he, but he was never horrible. Like he never met. I don't I don't remember any massive clangers. In the sense of David Luiz versus Man City from this guy. So, I mean, massive respect to him. He's come over. He's done the job that he was paid to do. And we no longer need him. So, sell him for how much you can get for him. If you get 5 million or even like 8 million for him, fantastic. Send him off somewhere else and use that money to rebuild other areas. We've had a few youth acquisitions. We have. We've had Jonathan Dinzei joining a centre-back from Spurs. Uh, we've had uh, <laughs> we've had Salah. He's joined the club, which is lovely of him. Salah has signed. Uh, Salah signs. Uh, we've had this admin. This admin <laughs> is getting on my nerves. Yeah, it's it's still with the pictures of Alba that are just killing me, mate. The noties are still on, but I'm seeing nothing good from you, my friend. Uh, we've had Tim Akinola. Uh, from Huddersfield Town, I believe, is a centre mid, and George Lewis join, uh, who is a winger. Now, Bradley, I'm going to ask you to go through and break down the characteristics of each one of them's uh, play. Uh, I want their strengths and weaknesses. I want uh, three points on where they can improve. And I want you to do... <laughs> Realistically, no one knows. Realistically, no one I, knows. But, the but... only one I know about is um, I saw a video of the cent- like the centre midfielder from Huddersfield who apparently is quite good like uh, quite good in the tackle, like qu- quite crunchy and like likes to put put a mark on someone. Uh, but other than that, I have zero clue. I think I think what's more exciting, really, is the fact that we are appear to be. I mean, obviously there are some gaps in the twenty threes, and we would have filled them anyway. And this is might sound like a bit short sighted, but I think the idea of us picking up players, giving them a second chance, uh, you know, talented young players from other clubs who you know were presumably looking for their first team 
opportunity there because it's a win-win. You know, we're picking up players who firstly have a, they have an ambition, they have a second chance. And, and, and often you find that players who have been released react really well to it, especially when they're given a new chance because they know they've had, they've had that moment. Declan Rice. Declan Rice. They've had that moment where they were released. They had that feeling They've give, been given a new opportunity and they push even harder. And I think it's really exciting for us to be picking up these players because, you know, most of them will come to nothing. I'm sure most of them will come to nothing. There may maybe one or two that make the first team and that's amazing. But it's also, again, another good uh, another good way of making money because, you know, it's, it's, it's just another revenue stream that we can get. And when money is tight, it's a, it's a great thing because we can sell these players, you know, for a, anywhere from a couple of hundred grand to a few million in a few years' time. But that's a really good profit. You need these players to fill out the under-23s. So players like Saka, I can't, I, I can't say his name. I think it's like Follerin Balogun, is the highest scorer for under-23s in Europe. He doesn't play by himself. Yeah. He needs players. And even if those players aren't up to the level that is eventually going to play for, the, for Arsenal, I'm not even saying that Balogun might be. Mm. All I'm saying is, is he needs to be around players who can at least give him a decent service so he can show what he's made of and then move up. It's like with Saka. Saka was playing in the in the under-23. He needed to be around players that put away chances and that at least gave him the opportunity to be seen to move yeah. up the ranks. No, it's exciting. It's really exciting. And I think it's, you know, um, I've listened to a few podcasts this week and people have been talking about um, Homer to Saka getting his sort of stamp on the on the on the academy supposedly he's he's introduced some kind of more you know schemes for people to talk about the mental health which is brilliant um, supposedly he's kind of you know being very hands-on with the players being very engaged in their sort of in their education as, as well as their football education it's exciting and I, and I wonder in you know two three four five years time we're going to start to see the benefits of this and I, th- I think it's a really it's it if all the rumblings at youth level feel really good agreed um we're never going to get everything right i think sometimes people criticize it too much and go well you know we and you can look into each individual situation did nabry leave did he want to leave all that sort of stuff we're never going to get every single young player right and there's obviously always going to be outliers of those who we can point we can point to well nabry we had no choice nabry had one year left on his deal had already been talking to bayern munich well, as in that, that, I mean, that's conjecture, but it's pretty... They were, they were doing something. He moved to Wolfsburg knowing he was going to Bayern Munich. We had no choice. What's better? Let the player leave on a free a season later or sell him for 5 million. Whether that player goes on to be worth 80, 90, 100, 150 million pounds, if you have the choice of letting him go for free or letting him go for 5 million, what choice are you going to take? Yeah, no, it's very true. It's very true. And I just, I just think, you know, we're never going to get all of them right, so it's exciting that the that we're at least putting ourselves in the position where not getting everyone right doesn't feel like the end of the world. Yeah, because we can, you know, we have so many, you know, decent young players that we can, you know, manage it correctly, which is, you know, all that we ask as fans, really. I think, and manage the situation correctly. Speaking of which, on the contract uh, negotiation side of things, I'm just looking at the. Players who are out of contract in the next two years. It's quite a list. Mm. Got Socrates, Ozil, David Luiz, obviously Aubameyang, Mustafi, Matt Macy, Lacazette, Kalasnach, Martinez, Elneny, uh, Dejan Iliev, the young goalkeeper, Callum Chambers, Eddie Nketiah, uh, Matteo Guendouzi. That's a lot of players out of contracts in the next two years. And it's quite funny that Raul obviously said that, that we'd never be in that position again. Uh, we are. Uh, but I I think there's a wider point there around contract situations where you, you know, we're going to be in situations from here on out. We can't pretend that we're never going to be two years out from a player's deal expiring. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a uh, fair aim. And secondly, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Of course. Uh, that's a lot of money tied up in players' contracts. That's a lot of money tied up in potential sales. Yeah. So I'm slightly I'm slightly concerned we haven't dealt with a lot of those, especially the likes of Nketiah and Chambers and Martinez. Of course. Well, Martinez is in talks at the moment from everything that's coming out from bullshit tap-in merchant ITKs and <laughs> other people who I actually respect. It's on such Twitter. a football Twitter term. Um, that... There's just there's talk at the moment that Martinez is in in talks to sign a new contract, but wants to know how much first team opportunities he's going to be given. 
Um, Lacazette will either leave this summer or sign a new contract because we don't want to sell him with 12 months. So he'll either leave or he'll play a part next year and sign a new contract. Eddie's been getting a lot of first team football, so I wouldn't be surprised if he signed a new contract in the coming months. And Guendouzi seems to be off this summer. So out of that list, I personally am not too worried. Lacazette looks like he might be on the move when it comes to Juventus. And if he doesn't move, don't be surprised if he doesn't sign a contract extension. And Ketia is probably going to sign a contract extension because he's, I mean, if Lacazette leaves, it's not like we're going to be using that money to buy a new striker. So he'll be getting a, a, a fair few minutes. Martinez, if he gets assurances, is going to sign. And I think depending on the centre-back departures, Chambers either going to, is either going to go or is going to be at least guaranteed some minutes at right-back, centre-back or DM. So it's not as bad as mm. we think. I also think, I think with Arteta and Edu, they appear to be, from the rumblings you hear, and again, this is all conjecture, it's difficult to say really positively about this, but they appear to be in conversation with the players a bit more. Yeah. And a bit more of a dialogue and a bit more of a kind of, you know, this is what we're doing, this is what's happening, you know, you're needed, you're not, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I hope some of those situations get resolved soon. The likes of Lacazette, you know, it just... I hope we don't leave it to fester. I hope, you know, whatever happens, as you say... I would love them to go, okay, Lacazette, you are either going to sign a new contract or we are going to move you on this summer and ultimately make those decisions because we can't, you know, leave him, not really play him. His value depreciates. He gets to the end of his contract. He runs his contract down. We've seen it happen hundreds and hundreds of, hundreds of times. And it's just, a, for me, it's a slightly worrying list. I like that you're being the optimist for once in this, on this <laughs> podcast. Um, I, I, it's a slightly worrying list for me money-wise because there's a lot of value tied up in those contracts and I just hope we manage those correctly. Absolutely. It's worry because we've not managed it correctly in the past. But I think that this is a, this is a new era of and a very ruthless era of Arsenal Football Club. Like, yeah. They're not taking shit. I hope with the new executive setup, they, they yeah, they handle it correctly. Uh, we're still waiting for Mr. Alba to sign his contract. Come on, Pierre. And here's a question I saw mooted on Twitter. Alba signs a three-year deal and sees it out with us. Is Alba an Arsenal legend at the end of that contract? No. Ooh. No. Ooh. I would say yes, Brad. I mean... Come on, let's have it out. It's... Uh, I hate this idea in modern day... For, it's like, every, like everyone posed the question when Ozil signed his new contract that we needed to build a bloody statue because he stayed with us during one of the worst periods of Arsenal football. He's being paid 250k a week, Alba, apparently, on this new deal. Like, it's not like he's doing it for free. And where where else is he going to go, realistically? You look up, maybe Barcelona could come in, but they're going to have to pay 60 million. And Barcelona at the moment are in dire financial straits and would need to probably do a part player exchange with us to even sanction that kind of move. I don't think you can call somebody a club legend for signing a new contract and picking up a paycheck. He's won the FA Cup. If he signs the new contract, stays with us for three years and wins the Premier League, then we can talk. But the legends that we're talking about, the Thierry Henrys, the Lee Dixons, the Dennis Burkamps, the Patrick Vieiras, the Tony Adamses, the Martin Keowns, the David Siemens, the Jens Lehmans, all of these players were at the... Not, don't get me wrong, I personally think he's the best striker in the Premier League. I think that nobody else would score as many goals in this league, in this Arsenal team, than Aubameyang. But that does not make him an Arsenal legend for signing a contract. Strong words, strong words. I'm you've you've sort of convinced me. In fairness, I'm going to stand my ground slightly though and say I think if he does, I think if he if he signs the contract, he's won as an FA Cup. He's consistently played well. He's captain does. I think if he wins a few more things and he gets to the end of that contract, even if he doesn't set the world alight and win the Champions League. I I'm kind of I'm kind of edging towards legend. I I, I think he's cer he's certainly one of my favorite players of recent recent history. But okay, well then Meza Ozil's a legend. No, but oh yeah, oh. then Meza Ozil's a legend. The that he performed at, at an unbelievable level for four for like quite a, quite a long time for Arsenal, and then we didn't build a squad around him, which is the fault of the board and the higher ups at Arsenal, not of Meza Ozil. He signed on to stay with us. 
I mean, he was one of the reasons we started to win FA Cups. And he, he's won four of them, technically. But, but in a Bamiyang situation, you, you, do you really think he doesn't have anywhere else he could go this season? I, I don't buy it. I, 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 think he, I think he could get a move. No, I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I just, I, where, it's, it's where does he move, realistically? Madrid aren't going to move for him because they've got, unless we get Jovic in the deal, it's going to cost them money. And they've got other areas of their squad that they need to build. Barcelona aren't going to move for him because they cannot afford to buy another striker at £60 million. Man United aren't probably going to move for him because they've got the front three and they're looking at bringing in Jadon Sancho, even though that looks to have stalled. Chelsea have assorted, Man City assorted, Juventus assorted. With all of these, though, we don't know. You know, <laughs> we're, we're two guys in a room making a podcast. We have no idea. And I think the he's a world-class striker. I think if the opportunity arose to sign Aubameyang for £30 million, I don't think, you know, I think we're thinking about this in a kind of an Arsenal perspective of the sort of the, the you know, we have a player, why would we need another one? These clubs are ruthless. When they when they see a better opportunity for a better player, they go for it. And I think Aubameyang, you know, if he chooses to stay, which I, th- you know, personally, we agree to disagree, I think it is a choice to, to stay or completely his choice to stay. And then he delivers. I do think he becomes legendary status. But I am in agreement that, we have to see. I don't think he's there yet. I think there are some people mooting that he's a legend immediately upon signing the contract. I disagree. Um, but I think, you know, he's he's on his way. And, and, I, and, I, and I do think, I think if he, you know, you look at the likes of Inter Milan, you look at, you know, you look at Juventus, potentially, you look at, um, you know, Atletico Madrid, you know, all, all of these clubs were sort of, you know, on the sort of not quite Madrid Barcelona levels, but those sort of clubs that are really, you know, consistently, you know, Leipzig are looking for a striker. You you, you never know. Um, and they're all in the Champions League. So you just, I, I think it is a, a choice to stay, but we'll have to see. I think it comes down to price because I don't think... Arsenal would sell him for £30 million. He's not a 30, as in like with one year left on his deal. So I think if you are looking to pick up Aubameyang, or at the, if he doesn't sign a new contract, you're looking to pay at least 50, 60, because Arsenal, I think, would rather take the loss of losing him on a free and keep him for one final push to get into the Champions League, get the Champions League money and rebuild the squad with that, than they would just sell him for £30 million. I, I, I think it is, it's about the wording of the kind of the question. If he signs this new deal, does he have the opportunity to become an Arsenal legend? Absolutely. Mm. But he does not become an Arsenal legend by signing this new deal. Okay. He becomes, you know, solid dude. Thank you very much for staying. And let me just state this. I bloody love him. I think he's <laughs> fantastic. But I think we have to be objective and say that you look at what is a legend of the club. And it currently is not Aubameyang. But I've never seen a player interact with fans like Aubameyang does. I mean, he's on Instagram Live with troops. Do you know what I mean? And, and I know it's it's because he kind of enjoys the, the the clowny nature of it all. But I've never seen that kind of interaction. Okay, you can say that, you know, that there was never that opportunity for players before. But I think he, he does love the club. Part of it, of that loving the club, is interacting with the fans and having that connection with the fans. And I think he really, really does value us. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, you know, he there's video of him spray painting his hair red and white. I, I don't disagree that he doesn't like the club and doesn't want to stay. You, you know, apparently the contracts all but just had the photos put everywhere. So it's I'm not saying that, you know, he's not like an absolutely elite level player, a generational talent. He's yeah. one of four players to score. I think it's like 20 plus league goals for the last five or six seasons mm. unbelievable talent i just think you can like if he's considered a legend for signing a new contract and staying before he's even done anything with that new contract then so is meza Özil. meza Özil is an arsenal legend because he could have left on a free gone somewhere else gotten loads of money like this is the thing is abamian can't leave on a free yet we still have him for another season meza Özil could have just gone and he chose to stay because the money was fantastic but because he wanted to stay, you know? Mm. So it, it's about kind of the optics of the situation. 
I don't think he's an Arsenal legend for signing a contract. Yeah. If he wins us the Premier League in the next three seasons, or even if he wins us the like the Europa League and a few FA Cups, mm. or like the, the champ, if God forbid, you know, we won the Champions League, which I don't think we'll do in three years. Of course he's a legend. Mm. Of course he is. So would loads of the players in the current squad be because they would be the first players in an Arsenal shirt to win that trophy. Yeah. He's just not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I see your point. I see your point. Okay. We also had this week uh, the news that Freddie Lundberg will be leaving the club, moving on, uh, presumably uh, looking for head coaching opportunities. I wasn't massively shocked. Well, according to uh, Jerby... Is this is this the football gerbil that retweeted us? This is the football gerbil who retweeted the us. The football gerbil. According to Jerby, it's it's more part of these restructuring moves than it is a personal decision. And that this move is in the same vein as some of the other restructuring moves, getting rid of Pat Rice uh, and other scouts as well as other management. Apparently, this is one of those kind of moves rather than a he's resigned to go and try and find a job yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, maybe I'm reading the official line. I, For me, though, I think if you... Yeah, I, that makes sense. Because if you look at the kind of the 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 optics of this season, he was up in the stands. He was kind of... Um, he looked isolated. And yeah. I think if it was a kind of, we will be releasing you slash you can say that you're... It's like the Rao situation, isn't it? The only the only bit that mentioned coronavirus was was Raul. The Arsenal didn't mention it, so it wasn't you know. Clearly, there were some wires crossed there about why he was leaving. Hmm. I think it's the same thing with with Freddie. I I I think it's a, a lot more amicable with Freddie, and I doubt there's any kind of wrongdoing behind the scenes. Of course not. But I think with Freddie, I'm not surprised to see him leave because I don't think he was massively part of Arteta's plans. That's complete conjecture, obviously, from the outside. But that was the sense I got. Um, and yeah, I think that 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 sounds about right. He had a really, you know, he had clearly had a really positive impact. We saw the tweet from Bukayo Saka this week about how much he 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 liked Freddie and how much Freddie supported him and, and helped him. It's a shame he's moved on, but that's the way it is. And and if Alcetta, uh wants to restructure, then then that's that's obviously you know I completely trust him on that. I think also we've seen this week about the Brentford uh, set pieces coach. I can't remember his name. Yeah, being being brought in, but supposedly we're bringing him in, which which sounds you know. Again, it's it's modernising the club and, and you know, set-piece coaches, uh, throw-in coaches, all these sorts of things, they're, they're going to become a, a bigger part of football. We also had uh, Hector Bellerin smoking a ciggy. Oh, for Christ's Naughty sake. boy. Uh, I, I, don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. What he does <laughs> on his spare time is his. He can't, if he performs on the pitch, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? Half the people that watch football eat pork pies and drink 10 pints. This man is having one cigarette on holiday. Get over yourselves. But it's a bad look. Come on. Oh, come on. It's bull- like, I would rather have a player who has the occasional cigarette, but like loves the club, will fight for the club and is a Donny than some twat who's, oh, I don't smoke because I'm a professional footballer. <laughs> It's a fucking job at the end of the day. And the guy's on holiday. Give him a break. I, um, I, oh, it really <laughs> pisses me off. It's like what happened with shit. Like he's not doing it on Arsenal grounds. He's not doing it on Ars- on Arsenal's time. The season's over. Brad, you're fuming today. I just, I don't, I, I honestly, Arsenal fans piss me off. <laughs> it didn't bother me massively. I don't think it's a good look, but, but equally. Neither's Harry Maguire fighting police. Yeah. <laughs> like what? What are we chatting about? He's had a <laughs> cigarette on holiday. Harry Maguire has been fighting police. Yeah. Like and we're we're getting we're getting moody that he's had a cigarette. Jog on. I can't say can't say fairer than that. Uh the new kit. We had that this week. I d I I'm not a big fan. Oh, do you know what? I like it. I j- I don't know. I think it it just it the marble effect doesn't really work. It doesn't really read for me. It looks a bit it just looks like there's been a bear attack. At the end of the day, it's all money making, isn't it? Because it's just more kits that they can bring out and they can sell. And it's not yellow this year. So they'll get people to buy it because they want a different colour. I don't think I've bought an Arsenal kit since, Christ, maybe about five years, maybe. Because it is just the same shit. Brad, are you all right? Have you, have you, had, have you, had, a tough, you had a tough week, mate? Have I had a tough week? <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? No, it's just it's just so much money. Do you know what I mean? I... I like the kit. I personally like the kit. I think it's... Uh, I, I quite like it, but... Will I buy it? Maybe. 
Who knows yet? Who knows? Arsenal.com are await- awaiting your your response. My order. They're they're pouring over our podcast, waiting for the next response. Just will Bradley Adams order his Arsenal kit? Who knows? Uh, only other thing we should probably talk about as well is the uh, is the fixture list. Yeah. Uh, Fulham away on the first game. Uh, then we got Arsenal. Arsenal. We, yeah, we are playing. In fairness, makes sense. <laughs> Uh, we're at home against uh, West Ham the following weekend, and then we're away to Liverpool. Uh, two decent winnable fixtures at the front, and then a tough one. Honestly, all I was hoping for was a bit of an easy start. That was all I wanted. I just wanted a, a decent easy start with you know a couple of winnable games, and you know I'd have preferred not to play Liverpool on the third game, but I'm kind of happy with it. It's you know it is what it is, and you know we're gonna have to play them at some point. Gets it out of the way. Yeah, we're going to have to play them at some point. It gets them out of the way. And yeah, you know, we've got a tricky run. But equally then, the Christmas period isn't as bad. Um, there's some winnable games around that period, which is always always tricky with, you know, fitness and stuff. And at least we got, you know, a whole week in between each fixture to, to, to work on the game. So, you know, it, it feels yeah. feels less less um, less difficult. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, the, to, get, to get two decent, easy, winnable games in the first... I mean, we could be absolutely shocked and Fulham could go out there and, you know, slash some more cash like they did last season. Well, season before last season, technically now. But I think that if we get six points from the first three games, it will be a decent start. Yeah. Yeah. We take it. Welcome back to It's Blank Bollocks. This is the show where we are in a show and we're doing another show within the show where I ask Bradley how bollocks this rumour is. Yeah. Okay, first up on It's Blank Bollocks, Tiago Alcantara to Arsenal. It's bollocks. It's absolutely bollocks. It's bollocks. All this, You see this all the time. Liverpool want him. Bayern want 30 million. Liverpool want to pay 22 million. So, to get the deal done, Tiago's agent will leak stories to the media that Arsenal have been sniffing around because they need a new midfielder and then suddenly Liverpool pay the money. He's not coming to Arsenal. It's, it is the purest form of bollocks. <laughs> I'm going to title this episode The One Where Brad Was Furious. <laughs> Number two on It's Blank Bollocks. Ceballos off to Milan. Inter or AC? AC. Uh, could happen. Apparently, he's been telling people that he wants to go back to London because he's already settled in there and he's ingratiated himself in the club. But if it, if I don't think he's a top concern, I think we'd rather get um, a Thomas Party in. And if it meant that we couldn't get Sabios in, we wouldn't care. Obviously, we if we could get him back on a loan, fantastic. But you know, him to Milan, I could easily see it happen, just as I could easily see it him coming here because I don't think he's needed by Madrid can we get a bollocks rating um a solid two bollocks out of ten two bollocks out of ten and finally number three on its blank bollocks Matteo Guendouzi to PSG I can see I can see it happening because he's not going to cost he's going to cost 30-40 million most of their midfield aren't particularly young if they've got a manager and like he's going to go in there with Neymar and Mbappe and other absolutely world-beating players. So his ego isn't going to be tolerated. One of the reasons that his ego was so inflated is because Unai Emery played him every single minute of every single game and wanked him off as many times as he could. <laughs> like, he was just... like he, No, like, he has this such important, like, self-inflated sense of himself because... He was so integral to Unai Emery's plans, and now Arteta's come in and he's not needed. He feels like he's better and will go elsewhere, whereas he'll maybe get a PSG for 30 or 40 mil. We'll start six games in a season and then realise what an absolute mug he is. And that concludes It's Blank Bollocks. Thanks very much, everyone. Thanks. Uh, okay. Uh, we're nearly at the end. We've got two more things I just want to quickly recommend you. One is a video from the coach's voice of Unai Emery breaking down his Europa League final 2016 tactics. Oh, Christ. This man was a head coach. He literally, I've never seen someone be so unspecific about tactics. The most tactically adept he got in the video was basically explaining 
that someone kicked the ball past their left back and got the ball into the box. There was no mention of anything. No. There wasn't even the word press. There wasn't even the word counter. There wasn't even the word tactic. It was just like a commentator. He basically just explained what happened in the game. It was like a, it was like a match report, and he was talking about tactics. This is in his own language. This is in his native language. And as much as he might have had communication problems, yeah, I think part of his problem was potentially inept. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. He's not. <laughs> When I when I defended him in our first episode, I think when I said that you know a lot of it was the communication issues. I don't think if he spoke perfect English, we would have been much better. We would no. have been a little better, but we wouldn't have been world beating. No, and yeah, listen, Arteta, yeah, he appears to be very tactically adept. And on that, uh, there's a really brilliant uh, breakingthelines.com have got a tactical analysis of Arteta's three four three, which I would recommend you go and, uh, have a read of. It's fan- fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think we'll be seeing a lot more of it next season, especially in sort of the earlier stages. Uh, I imagine he'll want it for at the back eventually, but um, it's a really good, a really, really good uh, breakdown. Final thing, Brad, Liverpool in the Community Shield on Saturday. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm scared because, well, am I? I don't know. I think, um, I mean, we beat City and Chelsea. To get to the final of the to get to the final and win the FA Cup, so it's not like we can't beat these teams. But also, who's going to play? Are they even back in training yet? God knows. God. Well, I know Aubameyang was on holiday until a few days ago because I follow him on Insta. I really, really don't think any of our sort of top level players are going to play. I think oh, it'll yeah. be sort of the the holdings, the maybe even that El Nenny might get a game. Is, is that where's El Neni? Um, he was at Besiktas, but then because of Corona, they stopped paying his wages. Oh, okay. So listen, class. Who knows who's going to play? I'm. It's one of those games that you can't predict and you can't really preview. As long as we don't get smashed, I am fine. I have no idea what's going to happen. I think it's going to feel a bit weird. Yeah. Because uh, you know the champ, the Champions League's just finished. Everyone's like, well, got weeks off now. Nope. <laughs> Seven days. It was it was so bizarre. They were advertising it during the, uh, the Champions League final, and it's yeah, it's it's so weird. But the yeah, I I I can't really call it. <laughs> I think we'll just have to analyze it when it comes. Um, as long as we don't get smashed, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're gonna wrap it up there. We shall. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I am hanging out my ass. Has to be said. So. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Fantastic. Um, and thanks again, Bradley. Uh, thank you very much, Alan. And thanks for listening. And thanks for listening. And I'll say it again. Thanks for listening. I'm hungover. Thanks for listening. Bye <laughs> bye. Podcast Network.